TNMP, the Nerdy Misfit Podcast, with your host, with your host, Connor O'Neill and Matthew Hughes. What is up, fellow Nerdy Misfits? It is Connor and Matthew back. Hello. How are you doing, Matthew? I'm I'm doing okay. I'm a little tired. You know, it's been a long week. Long but, week. Uh, here we are, back again, uh, recording us on a Sunday evening. Sunday evening. Here we are. How Another are tier list. Heck yeah. Our new thing. It is our new Just for now. Just we're, for we're, now. I mean, we're ripping through two separate lists at this point. That's true. Potentially maybe a Star Wars one to come. We'll see. I feel like we have to. But yeah, um, so we're back here. We're doing, uh, just based on how many movies we have, I, I, I have a feeling this might just be phase three. I think so, too, because these ones are some films. of our favorite movies. In big this films. Phase. Huge films. Big films. Big, fantastic, fun, exciting films. Some can even argue a culmination of many years. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, um, so for, for, you get, for anyone tuning in that's unfamiliar, we are ranking the MCU films. We're going pretty much in order of release, mostly just phases yeah. there might be a few hiccups in terms of which movie actually came out first but for the most part we seem to fix the order for phase three here so far we got three in the s's one in the a three in b's one c one d two e's and uh one f one f an enjoyable f though like it was still fun to watch yeah but but still do you want to go over what exactly we're entailing here for what we're looking for where as for our ranking list yeah for our ranking basically you are looking at the movie overall the characters in the movie and the connection to the mcu at that point at that point at that point in the story important very important in my opinion because there's gonna be a movie that i'm gonna rant about in this episode but we'll get to that prepare yourself because it's it's gonna be a hot take for Matt. I think it is a hot take, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, so this is the big three things: movie overall, characters in the movie, connection to the MCU. We're gonna go through some of the Easter eggs. We're gonna go through um, some, some of the mid credit like, scene, post credit scenes. Like. Exactly. So I think we're starting off pretty easy, though. I'll be honest. Yeah, we just. I, th- throw I think we're starting off with an yeah. S tier. Yeah, hundred percent. Civil War. Easy peasy. The, the final of the Captain America trilogy, correct? Yes, sir. I lost it. Oh, there it is. Of the Steve Rogers Captain America. Uh, Steve Rogers. Yes, exactly. Now, we did talk about how we might be reordering. Yeah. Um, Not till the end, though. I will say, for me, other than Endgame, I think this is my favorite film. Yeah. I think, obviously, it's always fun the more superheroes you have. And we say that as DC lovers and haters, because mm-hmm. one of DC's biggest enemies is itself in terms of how many characters it puts in one movie. But it's how you do it. You know, it's how you. It's do. how it's yeah, exactly. It's how it's put together because we have so many characters that are established. Yep. And we bring in, I think, two brand new characters to the MCU at this point. Two brand new because Black Panther, Black Panther and, and Spider-Man's first live action appearance in the MCU for those both how, those everyone characters. was minds blown when Marvel came to a deal with Sony because yeah. that's what's happening. Exactly. They don't own Spider-Man, but they came to a deal. Basically, Sony realized that they suck. And making Spider-Man movies. And if they could just basically... Basically, Marvel gave them a deal that they just couldn't refuse where it was like, we're going to write it. You will get money. And uh, yeah, and they liked that. And here we are. 
and here we are. Spider-Man made um, it to the MCU. Yeah, I think for this movie, they did it well because you have so many characters on screen. You bring two new characters into the Marvel Universe that are big characters. And the thing is, they did it just enough. And I think this is a direct scene is them. They're fighting at the airport and stuff like that. And there's literally a dialogue like, Spidey, you're done. He goes, yep, yeah, yeah, I'm done. And then you knew. You're like, all right, Spidey's done for the movie, basically. And it was fine because it wasn't forced. There wasn't too much. He was fun. He was quippy. He looked good. Exactly. Um, For me, under rules. obviously, Civil War is a fantastic uh, story in terms of comics. Yeah. and One I of the best storylines in the 2000s. Obviously, we've talked about this before. You can't... The MCU at this point has already become its own beast. Mm-hmm. You can't just grab uh, a massive story like Civil War and do it page for page, panel for panel. No. Because, one, there's characters that they have rights issues with, yep. for one. Two, character... So the, one of the things that makes Civil War, the comic, so impactful is you already have these established characters like Spider-Man. In this case, this is his first showing. Yeah. So you can't have the same drama behind in Civil War, the comic, his unmasking. Yeah. Showing he he's truly on Tony Stark's side of things. Yeah. Which, I, one thing I really liked for the movie side was how they handled the reasoning for why there's a conflict between Tony mm-hmm. and uh, Steve Rogers, which... Not as, it's bad, but not as intense in my opinion to the comics. The no, comics for is sure. bad. It's like it's what, a global it's a, it's scale. The whole school gets blown up or something. Yeah. I think there's a huge thing, and a bunch of the mutants end up like dying and stuff. Or, like the new mutants. But the, get, but the like, thing attacked. that starts it off, I yeah. believe, was some vigilantes who weren't technically heroes or like B class, yeah. C class heroes end up finding some villain that is definitely way out of their class yeah, and does ends up not blowing end up well. an elementary school or yeah. something. And that's when they start being like. You need to register mm-hmm. as a hero. Yeah. The government needs to know who you are and you need to be able to pass tests exactly. to be like, I'm a hero. This is also the movie that brings Incredible Hulk more into importance because this is the first return of Thunderbolt Ross because he's the one that ha- helps lead this, the, the Accords. Yeah. Which is a big thing. And this is based off, basically the conflict for this was that in doing a mission to obviously save people, yep. Scarlet Witch Loses control of loses, her powers yeah, accidentally. Loses, and blows up a building mm. by blowing up a person. Person had bombs on them. Mm. They blow, yeah, like it was like an explosion. She was trying to like keep it down and then ended up exploding out and then Crossbones and was there and died, stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Crossbones blew up and it blew up a building that had innocent people. Underrated in. villain of the MCU. They kind of threw him away there. At yeah, the it was kind though. of a throwaway villain, but, but we digress. That's what started it yep. and that's what caused the world to come together. This is how we get Black Panther, right? Mm-hmm. Right. We have all of the world governments coming together to be like, mm, no, we think that yep. there should be heroes should be held accountable, yep. and they should have to be called upon by the governing bodies to be like, we need you. Then you can come, not just willy nilly doing what yeah, you exactly. you think needs to be done to save people. In doing so, Steve Rogers thinks that this is dumb because his he's so um, for the people, for the people, and just. His his view is, I don't need someone to tell me to do something good. I'm just going to do something good. Exactly. And he'll deal with the consequences if there are, is mm-hmm. some after. Because 100%. he'd rather, he doesn't want all that, okay, yeah, you've been approved. Because maybe you don't end up saving people because of now it's got to go down the ranks to exactly. be approved. And Tony, well, Tony's still dealing with like PTSD at this point. A little bit, yeah. So for me, 
his view is that he doesn't want anything bad like this to happen. He wants to, everything to be in control, all ducks in a row. You also got to keep in mind, this is shortly after Age of Ultron, where there was literally his robots that he indirectly yep. created basically destroyed, and there was a whole bit of a freaking Earth that was raised up into the sky. Quicksilver just died. Scarlet Witch is dealing with PTSD from that, watching her brother get killed. Hawkeye doesn't even want to be here at this point. He's over it, and he just wants to retire. And then we well, got, and he's, like... he feels like... He, he should be held accountable, so he feel he feels guilt, obviously. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't want that feeling to be anyone else to have to deal with. Because at this, the, all these Avengers are his friends at this point. Yeah, maybe some are a little bit more prickly friendship, <laughs> but they're they all have a understanding of what their goal is, and he just doesn't want anyone to have to deal with that. Account, yeah. you know, he wants everyone to be able to be held accountable, and by having this in place, it kind of protects the Avengers in a way where they'll never have to potentially experience what he did. Exactly. So in doing so, this causes a rift between the Avengers, essentially the Avengers that we know within the MCU. Yeah. And obviously comparative to the comic, the comic has tons of characters. Like you mentioned, there's also a conflict between the X-Men, the mutants in general is just, it is shot. People die. It is a massive, multi-comic book level event uh in this obviously we don't have as many characters so they did what they could it was they did what they could, and it was still cool we had some really awesome fight scenes oh the triple all during this also steve is trying to get bucky yep there's a subplot which is it is an important one well yeah it makes the film come together at the end because the winter soldier is just rogue from both sides yep Essentially, he's just out there, and Steve wants to get him before anyone else gets him because he's a terrorist. Yep. And Tony Stark wants to get him because he's a terrorist. And yeah, also killed his parents. Well, we figure that on later, and that really, um, I guess we could say, amplifies uh, the situation. Tony's, Tony's desire to yeah. to get him. Tony doesn't have a very good relationship with uh, his parents. It seemed that you know. Yeah. But yeah, definitely an S tier. Phenomenal story. S-tier, fun characters, fun quips. It still had all the Marvel humor you wanted, but it, it still got across that seriousness, seriousness yeah. and the different view set that, that comes from both Tony and Steve. Not even that, but like like you said about Hawkeye too, we also see the indirect relationship of Vision and Wanda start in this whole That's thing true, as well because yeah. Wanda's told to stay back and then she tries to, she's like, no, Vision, I'm doing it kind of thing. Um, obviously, Black Panther comes in, Spider Spider-Man comes in. We see the fundamentals of Black Widow as well, because that's a big thing. A lot well, of revenge in this yeah. one, because we have we have a Black Panther mm-hmm. wanting revenge for his dad. We have Tony wanting revenge for his dad, his parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty much both of them have to let it go. Yeah. Which you know, it's both sad, but also the fundamentals of their characters. But also, just heroes in general, yeah. right? Like sometimes you got to be the bigger person. Unless you're Batman, and then you're just a... Batman. Your your revenge is against yeah. the world, essentially. All crime. It's true. Uh, we got... For this one, we had a mid-credit scene. The post-credit scene... Mid-credit scene was uh, seeing Bucky Barnes going into, like, the cryostasis thing in Wakanda. So then he can, oh, like... Because yep. he wants to calm down and stuff like that, and that's... Well, they want to help fix yeah. his mind. Yeah, and become the white wolf kind of thing. Um, And then... So that was... Obviously, that paid off later. This one here, the next one, is the... Uh, when Peter Parker goes to bed, um, he le- she like Aunt May leaves the room or whatever, and then he has a little spider thing, and he goes in and it shows the, the spider signal on the roof, yep. which I'm gonna be honest, I don't remember if that even comes back. 
I think it does at one point, but yeah, I think it's, it's also the official logo of the Homecoming movie. It is, yes, yeah. So that that's like the ref, the big reference. What was your What was your favorite part of Civil War? You had to pick. Ooh, this one. is also the first appearance of Giant Man as well. Yeah, which that is true. That is a big thing at too. the airport that happens. Yeah. Mm, honestly, the fight. I think the choreography between Cap and Bucky and Tony fighting. Yeah, the like, choreography yeah. is just phenomenal for that. I scene. think that that's probably my favorite as well, and just the emotions going <sighs> through it. The build up to that scene for that epic fight is just really good. The ending is also very strong. The the Steve Rogers, the cell phone, like yeah. whenever Stan Lee shows up, me, yeah. just call me whenever you and need. I got me. an order for Tony Stank, and it's a nice letter written by Steve, yeah. being like, "Look, I." I get where you were coming from. Mm-hmm. I hope you understand where I'm coming from. That letter is super important later on too. Oh, for exactly. the dialogue that happens between Cap and Tony later and on, it's just like goosebumps. If you need me, give yeah. me a call. Yikes! And well, they'll need them. <laughs> He'll need them. Uh, <laughs> anyways, we can move on to the next one. Doctor Strange. I'm putting this based on our tier list too. Is a solid B. We'll put it with the rest of the first movies, basically. Yeah, I think it was a good origin story. Good origin. More a, introductory to the Infinity Stones. A character that not too many people would be familiar mm-hmm. with as well, I think. Bennett Cumberbatch pulled it off great. I remember when he first got casted, both you and I were like, eh. Yeah, and we were like kind of 50-50. Once 50, you 50. see the first trailer, you're like, holy. Perfect. Picture perfect. He played the the rudeness and the, rudeness, the narcissisticness yeah. of Doctor Strange, thinking he's the best surgeon ever. It was perfect. Um, Easter egg in that one, as he's about to have like when he gets his accent messes up his hands he gets a call about the x-rays the x-rays he's looking at is roadie's x-rays from the airport scene when he got shot or like blasted i guess we forgot to mention that from civil war that yeah roadie also gets injured heckin injured and is the beginning of what could possibly when he gets taken over by gets s- taken yeah, yeah. secret invasion which we'll end off with at exactly. the end of this list so that massive yeah implications there yeah um so there's that um but yeah rachel mcadams great addition to the mcu she great. was great yeah um i mean the eye of Akamato, the special effects in this film oh trippy real trippy but really well done um my only real complaint about this is the carl the carl character carl mordor like the oh, he's like yeah, he can't be the source of supreme and like yeah. that kind of character and then they set him up still waiting yeah i mean he does but we'll get we'll get into that in that movie later but yeah, special effects are great. Story was great. Acting was great. Just overall solid. solid I wouldn't film. say it was the best, but it was definitely a very solid movie. Yeah. Hit um, us with those uh, the post credits. Post credit scenes. We got a cut down scene. Um, this is actually there. One of the mid credit scenes was a one from Thor Ragnarok, where Doctor Strange asked Thor why he brought Loki to Earth, discovering they were searching for Odin. Like this was like a weird little like mini prequel to Thor Ragnarok. Not that we cared because it was like two movies away. Um, and then yeah. Carl Mordor confronts Carl. the Jonathan character who like used magic to heal himself. And that's how like uh, Dr. Strange eventually got to the area and stuff like that. Um, but then, yeah, Carl shows up and takes this guy's magic away, explaining he's doing it so he could see at long last what's wrong with the world. There are too many sorcerers and we're still waiting for that to pay off in that's my true. Could we see him in the alternate timeline and stuff in Dr. Strange too, but we're still waiting for that to pay off. I don't know. We'll see. Um, all right. This is a big I'm gonna, one. I'm going to let you talk about this film first before I All go right, into it. So we're going it. to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume, volume two. 2. Now, this is the one with Russell Crowe, right? Kurt Russell. Yes. Kurt Russell. Whatever. Same same yes. people. Um, <laughs> oh. um, But, okay. So overall, I would say 
standalone movie is decent. It kind of follows the exact same framework of Guardians of the Galaxy 1. You know, it made sure to have that classic rock to it with the music for the uh, for the soundtrack. We get all the crazy, the crazy band is back together. And I believe this is the first movie with Mantis, who is an interesting character, to say the least. And uh, yeah, other than that, um, they're just in my, it's just kind of a space, adventure. space adventure daddy issue movie. I guess. And this is another big divergence from a character in the comics to a character in the MCU, which is Peter Quill's dad. So you can like or dislike that. It, the, 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 the sad part is at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, which is what I'm sure Matt will end up talking about because even though they did do this massive character change for that, it doesn't have any impact on that yet. Does it could, I don't know, but it hasn't had any impact yet. The other big issue is you can take guardians of the, unlike Dr. Strange, which obviously we see him in future Avengers movies and doing stuff based on, obviously we got a, like Matt said, we got an infinity stone as well. That's important stuff leading up to where we're going in guardians of the galaxy Two. Unfortunately, you could erase it from existence in the MCU and there is zero impact on the end game, if you will. <laughs> that's a, that's a reference. The end game. Um, but yeah, I'm sure uh, that's what Matt will end up saying. I will say uh, based on it's, I want to give it not an F just because Overall, as a standalone movie, it is entertaining. The effects are great. The soundtrack is great. The actors are great. But it's just, honestly, it felt like a money. Like, they didn't plan on having Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because I don't think Marvel planned on the success of Guardians 1, which is why it ended up getting a 2 so quickly in comparison to other films. I'm going to say... It probably deserves an F in some in some cases, but also it deserves an E because as a movie, it's better than Thor, like Thor 2. Mm -hmm. But its impact on the MCU is negative. Okay. And the only reason we gave Thor not an F was because it has an impact. So this is like the vice versa. F for impact on the universe, but an E because at least it's a good movie. Thor was not a good movie, but it did have impact, which is better than an F. What do you think? Put it in E. I'll leave it at E. End of E. Yeah, it's like a... Like e a, minus. Like a, e minus. Might as well be an F. Okay. <laughs> Try and keep this brief here. This is my least favorite film of the MCU. Least favorite film. And is this... You say There's a yeah, lot of films. There's a lot of films, but it's my least favorite. Um, and you, I know it's got a good, decent story, some cool special effects, um, some cool characters, but here's the thing. Okay. <sighs> I don't even know where to start with this. Um, let's you go start the from the opening scene that oh. you did not like. Okay. Opening scene. It was cute for the first minute. Did it need to go on for 
four or five minutes as they fight this giant monster that ends up coming back in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 because of whatever. Um, no. Was Baby Groot a money grab? Yes. Did Baby Groot have to do as much as they did in that film to sell merchandise? No. Did they do it anyways? Yes. Yeah, Groot could have just been Groot. Groot could have just been Groot. It shows by the end of the movie that he casually became a teenager in like a night. He just grew from what? Six inches to three feet, four feet? Ridiculous. Okay? <laughs> Stupid. And then we get to the plot, okay? Where all of a sudden, Peter Quill, his father in the comics, is literally a captain of a pirates, essentially, space pirates. And he owns like an entire empire, basically. And Peter Quill is basically the heir to this empire because he's supposed to take over, I think it's the Quasar. I think it's his actual father's name. Not entirely sure. Might, get, might be getting that mixed up with Scott Summers' dad. But regardless, he's basically an heir to a space empire. But instead, Marvel goes a different route where they talk to Fox and they're like, hey, you guys are trying to make this film and you want this character. We want this character instead. So Marvel gives them access to Negasonic Teenage Warhead, who is that random X-Men mutant character that's in the Deadpool movies, and they switch him for Ego the Living Planet, who in the comics is a planet with a face on it. It is not Kurt Russell in the slightest, okay? So this whole movie is based around daddy issues. And then we get to the point where all of a sudden Peter Quill is half celestial, basically. He's like half God, which obviously, you know, ego, living planet, whatever, right? And then he gives it up at the end. Now he's back to just being human. So this entire buildup of him having powers, his dad being this huge guy, just gets done by the end of it. And that's that, okay? So now, oh, Yondu dies? Oh, yeah. Yondu dies. That's important at some point. Don't really remember why. Um, Mantis joins. Cool. And then we get to the five post-credit scenes. There's five post-credit scenes. This is what bugged me. You didn't need five post-credit scenes. I mean, you can make an argument sometimes you don't need any. I agree you don't need them. I don't think uh, Endgame didn't have one. Well, Endgame definitely didn't need one. The whole no, point that was, was the end of yeah. That was the end game. That was the end game of the MCU, essentially. But Guardians of the Galaxy 2, um, before I get into those credit scenes, no overall effect to the MCU. The only thing you know need to know about this movie is that Mantis is now part of the Guardians. I guess that's true. And Sean's sh- Gunn's character as well, like Yondu's brother. They Brent, show sorry. up for the big fight. Yeah. That's all you need to know from this movie. Mantis joins the Guardians. Cool. And you could have had the Guardians show up and be like, oh, yeah, we picked her up at this planet. Yeah. And that's that. So now, five post-credit scenes. We have Craiglin. That's Sean Scone's character. Sorry. Um, he's trying to use Yondu's arrow and accidentally hits Drax in the back shoulder. Um, then, second post-credit scene. Just straight Easter eggs showing the original Guardians of the Galaxy team from the 31st century from the comics. Um, this one's interesting because you have Michael Rasenbaum, who's in Smallville's Lex Uther, voices one of the characters. Miley Cyrus is in this post-credit scene as one of the characters as well. And you're just, you just have random characters that you don't know about other than Sylvester Stallone's character who showed up in this movie. Um, and that's that. Irrelevant. Third post-credit scene, which is now important because at the time of this, this was not important. And it was just uh, Alicia tells the chamberman she's creating a being capable of defeating the Guardians of the Galaxy. We're going to name that character Adam, which was implied that it was going to be Adam Warlock, which it was, except in the comics, he's a broken-ass character. In Guardians of the Galaxy 3, he is not. Well, he's broken in some ways. Maybe in not some ways. his brain. Yeah. <laughs> when he is when he is defined as the one who can take down the Guardians, based on this post credit scene. He is powerful enough to do so. 
Yeah. Reminds me of Kizaru from One Piece. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, sec- uh, fourth fourth credit scene is uh, just the teenage group playing a video game and refusing to do things. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, Groot's rebel. Rebel teenage boy. Um, and then the fifth one, which is probably my favorite post-credit scene, it's the only good one in my opinion, is just Stanley in an astronaut suit chilling with the Watchers. Yeah, because he's a lot. Because he's a, a he's a watcher in quotations, and I'm like, oh, that's a cool Stanley Easter egg. That's a nice one. But this movie is just not good, in my opinion, for the MCU. For the MCU, character development, evening, like I said, like you don't really need to know. If you didn't watch this movie, you'd never know that Peter Quill's like was half god essentially, because it doesn't really get brought up again. Yeah. And then there's a weird David Hasselhoff cameo that didn't really, yeah. Um, yeah. So basically. The hot take is that all people love the Guardians movies. All three. All three. And Matt only likes the one. I like the holiday special. <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> but yeah, moving on to a better film. Spider-Man Homecoming. A highly anticipated film. Yes. Is this an S tier? No. It's not. an A tier for you? Or B tier? High B, low A. So I guess I we'll put toss it in an a, a. Since we only have one. Mm-hmm. And... For me, obviously, we didn't see... The big thing is, we finally didn't see Uncle Ben die. Crazy. Because, I guess, we're just assuming we know how Spider-Man happens. Crazy concept. We've seen it once or twice. Now, for me, a negative, and I believe we've talked about this before, is Tony Stark is both smart as a mentor for to bring Peter into the MCU, but also he does too much in my opinion. I don't mind having Tony Stark be a mentor towards Peter in terms of becoming more than just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Like yeah. Coming past just his, his own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But where I start to have issues is Peter is a genius. Yeah. A very intelligent character within Marvel. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like they didn't display that as well as they could have agree. in this movie. Yeah, he goes to a gifted school. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But they never show off his true intelligence. Yeah. He just gets handed a suit. I would agree with that. And it's, But it's also good for character development because you see later on between the two other movies. He starts but, to do yeah. a lot more of his own, but that's also because... Well, Obviously issues. Yeah. Things happen. Um, but I do enjoy the mentorship that was Tony because we've talked about this where in the grand scheme of the MCU this is probably the safest way to do it to bring him in. And it worked. It worked. And the, the big thing that makes it okay is they kept that relationship as a kind of that closer. Yeah. His mentor, a closer relationship throughout the MCU as Spider-Man's been here. Right. Exactly. If they just kind of dumped him after like Tony just doesn't care as much, then it would have felt as felt worse. Yeah. Um, Aunt May, pretty important character for uh, Spider-Man in terms of the Mm -hmm. MCU in comparison. Not that she's not in other stories, but she she plays more pivotal role in this one than the other Spider-Man movies we've seen in the past. Yeah, I would say that that that's for sure. We also get um, New John MJ, Favreau, John Favreau back again is back happy and pretty important character in the Star Wars trilogy. In the Spider-Man trilogy, not Star Wars trilogy, right? I mean, he's also important in the Star he's Wars in, he's TV shows, but yeah, he's very important when it comes to the storytelling of Spider-Man, especially later on. Um, personally, I enjoyed the fact that we saw a new Spider-Man villain on the big screen. That is we true. We didn't see the Green Goblin again. Didn't, didn't see the Green Goblin again. Didn't see Doc Ock. Yeah. Didn't see... Venom, uh, Venom. Sandman. We yeah, saw 
Vulture, which was random. Random, but and also the way they handled him was also really? interesting to some uh, MCU lore. Yeah, background lore. What's yeah. going on behind the scenes? Yeah. We'll see Shocker as a B-list villain in this film, yeah, which was, that was neat to see. Doesn't a little bit of a disappointment, but it was cool, cool to, to see. see the gloves. Yeah, because it was a that's a C-list Spider-Man villain. He's in the uh, cartoon a lot. That's in the true. 90s cartoon a lot. Yeah. But yeah, he's not a big, no. he's not high on the rose. Yeah. He has a very big rogues gallery. He does. Um, it was really cool to see Ned, who's from the Ultimate Universe in the comics. So it was cool to see him as a character. And not Harry. And not Harry. Not Harry Osborn. Which is great. I think they really did well. I think and um, Mary Jane is not at Mary Jane, but is Mary Jane. Yeah. My friends call me MJ. Very confusing. Yeah. Um, Zendaya, great it's chemistry. Like were, it's like they were trying so hard to be like, this isn't just Mary Jane Watson. Yeah, and exactly. And then at the end it... Yeah, basically is. Um, overall, chemistry on screen for all of the actors and actors, great, really well done. Tom Holland, fantastic casting. Yeah, um, cinematography and like from a film standpoint, one of my favorite scenes fun. is. Does this movie have some of the first person views of Spider Man swinging? Uh, yes, yeah, I believe it's so. It's very interesting. Yeah, some creative, uh, creative. But there's choices. one that I love personally, and it's the car scene when um, I think Adrian Toom is in the front seat. Um, like Vulture's in the front seat and uh, Peter Parker's in the back and he like turns around to go talk to him and when he makes the comment that like he knows who he is kind of thing like that, the lights change from basically the way the storytelling goes is that like Peter thinks he's in charge of the conversation, the light's green and then as soon as Adrian Toomes turns and says something about how he knows, the lights in the background just go red and it just changes the entire feel of the like scene. Like the Voldemort Harry Potter wands. Exactly. Like I think it was just street lights going from green to red. But exact principle, though, because you were like, oh. Who's in control of this? Who's in control of the conversation? It's really well done. Um, and obviously the the best, not the best scene, arguably the best scene in the movie, from in my opinion, is when you find out that Tony's barely like physically in the suits or whatever. And then there's the one scene where Spidey's like, you're not even here or whatever. And then just Tony casually walks out of the suit. And it's like, oh, crap. You're here. <laughs> Yo, yeah. crap. You actually are here. Yeah. It was fun. It was a very fun movie, I think. Both Tom Holland's delivery, but also the writing for Spider-Man was yeah. pretty spot on for Stan, the character. I think for me, this is the reason why it's almost S for me, is the fact that Stan Lee, the creator of Spider-Man himself, him. thought Tom Holland did it perfectly. Yeah. And fun thing about this film, too, is I you know this one, but some of the listeners might not, is after Tom Holland was casted, which, by the way, he found over on Twitter before anyone else, because there was like the pull of who was going to be it, whatever. Um, he made a joke to the producers He's like, oh, if I should get more character, I should go on to like to America and go to one of those smart science schools, as a joke. And they're like, we love it. They put him undercover. They put him undercover. Tom Holland went into one of some fancy science school in the Didn't states. Didn't know the answers for anything. Did not know the answer. And Tom Holland talks about it. Mm, sorry, on one of the the um, talk shows, and how a character like a character, one of the other students goes, dude, like, how did you get? Like, why are you here? Like, how did you get here? And then I guess Tom Holland literally goes, some Spider Man. And it's the start of Tom Holland giving away stuff to people. Yes. The beginning like of it an, all. Which is like a meme in itself for the MCU. Yeah. Keeping Tom Holland's mouth shut because he Which is really we will talk about that later in a certain yeah. movie. Um, but overall, it was a good Spider-Man yeah. film. Fun. Different. It definitely was mm -hmm. different than any other one we've seen. Yeah. Mid-credit scene and a post-credit scene. Mid-credit scene has yet to pay off. Um, this is when Adrian Toome is in jail and he comes across Mark Garnon in the comics is scorpion sinister so, six sinister six we were pumped because this is when morbius and venom movies were going to be coming out oh yeah and we're like yo we got a sinister six potential. coming our way potential yeah and uh 
that didn't pay off technically not yet in a way it not did yet. but not um and then the post-credit scene which is in my top five for post-credit scenes because it's so funny because in a scene during the movie they're in gym class and they're watching like safety videos in gym and it's just captain america on screen or whatever yep. and like oh guys safety and this and that and then the end of this movie because we saw it together in theaters it's just captain america walking onto the screen goes remember guys patience patience i, th- I don't know if it says yeah importance of patience and then it's just a fourth break wall and that the that the audience are waiting around for nothing and it just ends and you're like marvel just memed us <laughs> And they got us. What the heck? All right, moving on to Thor Ragnarok. Now, this one, for me... Oh, best Thor movie. Best Thor movie. It's got to be... Based on that, it's probably going to have to go to A. All right. Because the first Thor is in B, based on that logic. Um, but I have a bias because it's one of my favorite directors, Taika Waititi, does this movie phenomenal because it's such he brings a the memes. polar shift. It brings Thor. the memes, though. Brings the memes. Um, this one's got a lot of fun cameos with, like, uh, Matt Damon's in it. Um, turns at the Thor beginning. into a gay character. Turns Thor into a gay character. Um, Hela, really interesting character. Really interesting how they brought her into the MCU. Evil. Evil as heck. Breaks Mjolnir. Just a Massive impact. Always impactful on the MCU. Exactly. Um, that's an epic scene where she just grabs it and, and just, shatters just it. literally shatters it with a single palm. And you're like, oh, Dang. Um, this is also the return of Bruce Banner because we have not seen him in the timeline of the MCU for two years. Yeah, he's fighting on the one planet, right? Yeah, and we see um, Planet Hulk Hulk. The design of Planet Hulk Hulk. Oh, the design, yeah. Um, which is a story in the comics. Um, but the design of him is great. We love seeing... This is the beginning of Grey Hulk, essentially. Yeah, Bruce Banner's consciousness with the body of the Hulk. Yeah, which is epic. Um, a lot of the fighting scenes was great. Mimi in the sense of like, oh, I know this guy from work. <laughs> yep. Kind of Mimi. Um, but solid characters overall, in my opinion. Fun little duo, too. Yeah. They bounce off each other really well. It was good because these are the two characters of the MCU that weren't in Civil War that we forgot yeah, to What are they up to? Yeah. Where are they? Where's, well, where's Thor and Hulk? Like, the two broken characters. Because, did we mention it, but Hulk flies away. And, At the end of, Age of, Ultron, Age of Ultron, he runs like, into the forest. I feel like we forgot to mention that. Yeah. That's important. Um. Off the grid. Off the grid disappears. Um, trying to think. Obviously, we get to see Grandmaster. Uh, Grandmaster. Uh, Jeff Goldblum shows yeah. up as Grandmaster. Great casting for that. And Korg. Cor- yeah, Korg for the first time. Who's voiced by Taika Waititi, the director. Character. And Meek as well. And we get the Valkyries. And we get the Valkyries fully introduced. Important characters for both future Thor films. Yep. And, of course, moving oh. in, bringing in characters into the MCU yeah. that we'll see. Um, overall, like, I have no real complaints. I mean, the music was phenomenal for Music it. was fun. Special effects were good. Special effects um, were good. The duo between Thor and Hulk, like, kind of their... Even the return of Loki. Bouncing each other is fun. Loki's always fun. Yeah. Um, Tom Hiddleston. Story it's was... Story it was is impactful. Time. Okay, so... This is a little sneak peek for our next... Before, but... It was fun and good because it was a different take on yep. Thor. Different style of character he a lot mm-hmm. of confidence not that thor is not confident in the other ones that could argue that's mm-hmm. part of his issue arrogance confidence yeah. but i feel like this is an example of how earth has changed thor yes the impact that the avengers but also just earthlings mm-hmm. have had on thor as a character 
I don't think he becomes as fun, memey, joking without spending all that time on her. Exactly. Um, the issue we run into is the next film, it just becomes too much. But in yeah. this one, we don't know about that yet. Yeah, so exactly. It, fe- it was a breath of fresh air, especially compared to Thor 2. And it does have impact on the MCU, not in terms of a stone, but uh, one of the it's greatest weapons in the MCU, one of the best weapons in the MCU unavailable. Yeah. <laughs> and also the importance, too, is uh, like Thor loses an eye. Oh, which yes, is important. He loses an eye. You see the Return of Hulk, His like you said, dies. Valkyrie. Odin officially is done in the MCU, yep. Anthony Hopkins. Um, you see all of that, and also it's just you see how powerful Thor actually is without Mjolnir. Mm-hmm. Because you see him literally like the whole thunder strike. He's the like, god of thunder. He becomes the god of thunder. Yeah, it kind of shows that Mjolnir was like a crutch in a way for him. Yeah, which he didn't understand until he lost it. And this is the first, the beginning of Thor having to be responsible for all of his people. Mm-hmm. Which like if a lot of responsibility. As jokey around this film is, this film actually in Taika Waititi, who's an indigenous filmmaker, this story, the bare bones of it, is all about colonization. Which is literally someone comes in, does not like this the native is, race yeah. essentially, and wants to either kill them if they don't for- conform to her their beliefs, and then they end up winning. Obviously, bunch of people die, so then they move into a smaller little area. And I'm that, like, that's that they're told can be theirs. Exactly. By someone else. Correct. And like, as joking as I move, this is film it in is, Norway? Are th- is it's in Norway. Yeah. yeah. Cause obviously Norse yeah, mythology, yeah, so of course. it all fits at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, like little it's a little ass God. <laughs> exactly. Which, and then at the end of this film, I don't know if it's post credit scene or the end of the film is that they see the ship of Thanos, I believe. Could be, I can't remember. I don't know if that's the opening to Infinity War or the end of this film. Either way, the importance is now Asgard is on Earth. Mid credit scene. It's on Earth. Yeah. That's a big impact. Well, it's, it's getting there. Yeah, they're moving. Yeah. They're no longer We're moving to Earth. Asgard. Asgard's been destroyed. Ragnarok, which in storytelling is the end of Asgard end in of Norse Asgard. mythology. We also see Surtur. Yeah. Um, who is, I believe, voiced by Clancy Brown, who is a phenomenal voice actor, who's been in a lot of a lot of things we've talked about in on this podcast from the beginning through various animated movies, the MCU, Star Wars. Part of being an English voice actor, um, basically. Last Airbender. I don't know if he's in One Piece, though. Well, not if everyone's he, in One Piece. No, but like for he him, will be. he will be. He's also <laughs> like Mr. Krabs. Um, uh, oh, small <laughs> character. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. So mid credit scene, foreshadowing Infinity War. Loki visits Thor in his quarters. NASA of going to Earth is a good idea as a large ship large spaceship appears in front of them and we don't know that it's thanos a ship i don't think but i think a lot of people made their assumptions um and then obviously the other one is just the grandmaster is just chilling on the planet sakar um in the middle of the garbage and stuff like that nice so you're like ah yes this is also the return of the collector i believe as well um yeah we move on to black panther this is i think b is just a solid one seems like a lot of our first films always go in b for Black Panther. Exactly. But it's a solid film. Uh, I would Michael say Jordan. B plus. B plus, A minus. Yeah. It's, it's, it's right on the edge. I think it's a really good look into Wakanda because we've met Black Panther at this point, but we're kind of, you're kind of, all we know is they're responsible for a lot of vibranium. Yep. And uh, they got a king that is also a superhero. 
it's been passed down and everything. It's basically um, what we've got so far. And this has got a solid um a solid group of supporting characters. I like agree, Umbaku, yeah. great character. Um what's her name? Uh Akoye. It's Akoye. also interesting to see um this world in what the common man sees as a poor yeah. country or poor continent in Africa. And then just the most state of the art technologically technologically advanced, advanced society. Yeah. And um, but also at the same time, they still have their own conflicts within exactly going on within their own people. The, yeah, Killmonger versus uh, T'Challa that are, don't want to accept T'Challa as the new king. Yeah. So it was very interesting, very cool. Um, coming of age, coming. Coming of age doesn't feel like the right way, but coming to mm-hmm. under like that I'm now the king, I'm now responsible for all these people, getting over his dad's death. Yeah. Overall importance at this point, not necessarily important um, when it comes to the overall MCU, but this is the return of Black Panther from Civil War. We see how they're reacting to the world, because I think at the end of this film, is that's when it's revealed that Wakanda is a part of the Earth now. Yep. Like, that's really big, and this is obviously where Bucky is. That is true. Um, so that's definitely important. Special effects, the fighting in this was pretty good between like Killmonger and Takala, I thought was pretty good. I kinda wanna put it in A to be honest. Like I'm I'm like it's the B think, plus A minus yeah, kind of area. Think the impact overall on the MCU isn't as high. Yeah, so it which has definitely to be a drops lower. it down. Um yeah, I love the Black Panther suit. I think it was is rough for two. I also like the his sister. Yeah. Being the smarty pants. Smarty pants. Like, okay, you do the fighting. Yeah. I'll make the cool, the cool, the exactly. cool shit. Yeah. Um, rest Her in peace, kinetic, Chadwick the Boseman. Kinetic, kinetic armor is really the good. The kinetic armor is really good. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Because he did phenomenal as Black Panther. Yeah, he was great. Perfect casting, in my opinion. Um, same with like Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. Like, yeah, I almost wish we could have had more of Michael B. Jordan, honestly. Yeah, I mean, we see him, you know, spoiler alert. Later but, on. But we'll discuss that later. Um, moving, uh, mid-credit scene. Yeah, Takala travels to the International Center with a couple of his people, and they discuss Wakanda will open its borders and give its resources, Wano. kind of thing like that. It's Wano, but Wakanda. Instead of Vibranium, uh, they have, uh, what, what, what is it they have in uh, Wano? They have the uh, the the, me- the special yeah. stone, yeah. the sea prism stone. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's weird. <laughs> both both opening their borders potentially. Exactly. Uh and then the other one is Shiri visiting Bucky Barnes who's awoken and tells him that he's got much to learn. This is the the foreshadow that Bucky's coming back. All right. Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, I feel like yeah. we're definitely going to have to adjust some of our things here. Yeah. Tier list is a little top, top heavy. heavy. Um, Infinity War. I'm gonna say A. A. No, not S. No, not S. I'm gonna say A. Yeah. Fan- buzz, buzz. Buzz, buzz. Uh, fantastic first uh, film to set up Endgame. Um, I'm very happy that they didn't just do Infinity War Part One, Infinity War Part Two. Mm-hmm. As uh the movies, I like that this is Infinity War. We see a lot happen. A lot happen. Um. Different teams of Avengers fighting, and we just see how insane basically the Infinity Gauntlet is when it's broken. 
like when we see it all together, really. When when Thanos is wielding it. And we get an idea of why Thanos has been hyped up so much. Yeah. It won no joke. Unstoppable. It was no joke. No, half the world is gone. Perfectly balanced, just all things to be. Exactly. Um, we see uh the repercussions of Hulk not wanting to come out anymore. So then we got Bruce Banner in the Hulkbuster suit. Yes. Which is a treat. Um we see Vision die multiple times, technically. See Vision die because basically this is Thanos coming to get the remaining stones, mm-hmm. right? He so that being the Mind Stone, which is on Vision, yeah, correct. The Time Stone that's with Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange, and then the Soul Stone, and the Soul Stone, which Im- unfortunately involves a death of Gamora, Gamora, which sets up later on. Later things. on for Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. three. I do enjoy the return of Red Skull. Him being the protector of the Soul Stone, I thought was yep. very unique because in his time he wasn't able to get the Tesseract, which was a stone, and like there's a lot of connection to that. It was also interesting seeing that Gamora for Thanos was the person yeah. or thing he cared for the most, mm-hmm. st- as opposed to just himself and his ambitions. Yeah. Obviously, in the comics, he's in love with Lady Death, and yeah, a little weird. Would have been cool to see kind of that. Connection. Connection, but obviously it's never really yeah. never mentioned. Um, um, we should probably mention that in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Nebula also becomes part of the team. Um, which doesn't really pay too much attention, but there's obviously this built of jealousy now of Nebula not being the chosen one of the childs, because obviously Nebula is technically Thanos' kid too. And his fault has been with him the whole time. Yeah. Doesn't betray him, leave him. Exactly. Like Gamora does. And uh, yeah, it turns out Gamora was the one he cared for the most. Probably why... She's not a cyborg. Yep. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Some great rough. dialogue throughout this film of like the whole like I am Groot, I am Steve Rogers. Yeah. Um the perfectly balanced. Perfectly balanced. Um even like the whole I think it's when Scarlet Witch finally like goes out of the tower and starts fighting and someone literally goes, She's been hiding up there the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Oh, this is good. Um uh, but yeah, phenomenal fight scenes. Um But in the end, the Avengers are not they're not up to the task. No, they were unable to stop Thanos. The gauntlet snaps. is broken, <laughs> and Thanos ends up with a snap in half the of the universe. The population of the universe. Gone. And we Gonzo. see the dust, the dust memes begin. Yep. As we see many of the Avengers, many important characters in the MCU, like Nick Fury. Maria Hill. All turn to dust, and we go, oh, shit. Yeah. Now what? And you just have to accept it. Yeah. It's, it is hard to see. Uh, the uh, I think when he snaps, the hardest one to take is the uh, Peter Parker. <sighs> Stark, I don't feel so good. Yeah. That one's, yeah. That one, that one, that one's rough. Just a kid. Uh, yeah. And I do have to say they balanced it well enough with having basically three fights going on at once. Yeah, I felt like uh, the way One Piece is handled for the anime. Yeah. Like, this is where this team is, this is where this, this, is where team, this team is, is. This, is where this team is, and they just yeah. bounced around. I think a lot of people are kind of frustrated because obviously they could have got the gauntlet off, and then Peter Quill, like, changes his mind kind of situation once he, I think it's once he finds out that Gamora's dead. Yeah. And I think that's what, like, snaps him. Uh, snap's not the right word for the sentence, but, like, Triggers him to be like, oh, no, this guy. And, he, you know, because if that doesn't happen, then boom. And this is also when Doctor Strange says that there is the however many 
different possibilities is it, but this is the one that has to happen. Yeah. Kind of thing. And it's like, oh yeah, like how many how many different time like versions is there? How many times do we win? He goes like one. And you're like, Let's make that one. Anyways. Ends on a sad post credit yeah. scene is pretty epic. Post credit scene, yeah, Nick Fury, Maria Hill just dust away as it turns to have the pager of Captain Marvel being like sending a yep. the sign out An to SOS. Captain Marvel to be like, yo, you gotta come to Earth now. Could you imagine if Captain Marvel was snapped and she would never got that? Yeah. The ch- Oof. But yeah. So. Yeah, that's a, it's a big one. Obviously, a very interesting thing from this film is also that uh, Ant-Man is currently small man. Yeah, he is not in this film because he is doing his own little thing. He's but, under house arrest. Yeah, but the impact is that he is in the quantum realm. He by is unaffected. People are saying that he was unaffected. He could have been just one of the ones that wasn't chosen. Yeah. But was he also too small to be affected? That depends. Could be part of the reason. Another thing I want to uh, talk about briefly before we move on is uh, a conversation that happens between Tony and Pepper Potts is that he talks about how he had a dream where they got married and they had a kid and like this happily ever after thing. And this doesn't seem too important, but later on during, I think it's Doctor Strange, they talk about how your dreams are perceptions of what could be kind of thing like that. Mm -hmm. And there's a payoff later on because we do see that future of him being married, having the kid. Yeah, the world in which everyone had to live after Thanos is because Thanos dips. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the yeah. next film. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ah, we can put it in C. Sorry. <laughs> I can't even remember what happens in this film. Uh, we honest. see uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne? No, that might be right. He's like an old version of Goliath and stuff like that. This is the ghost character. Ah, uh, the ghost one, yeah. Yeah. Kind of a B-list, C-list character. Not really a big fan of this. We see uh, the girl from Lost finally get the Wasp costume, like Hope Van Dyne gets the Wasp It was costume. also a weird feeling because this is like it takes place before... Takes place at the exact same time. It's during, yeah. But also, it feels weird because we just have that massive impactful movie, and we're going to a movie where just like the tone is very different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we see the quantum realm. We see more of like the small, the G- Ant Man versus Giant Man. Like the little, I think this is when the fully when the discs get introduced more. Yeah. And they have like the small little ship they can move, or like the building. Sorry. Yeah. Um. They bring the massive building with them. Yeah. Ghost was an interesting character. She's supposed to come back in the Thunderbolts movie or show, whatever they end up doing. Um, it's cool to see Wasp. We get introduced more to the Quantum Realm, and that's where Janet's been. It's been a whole rescue thing for Janet and everything. And then Janet gets out, and I think he ends up going into the Quantum Realm at the very end and can't and get... He's about to get out and, and then snap. leads into the post-credit scene, which is the snap of... Which Hope is massively Hank. impactful because it's fair to say Scott Lang has a pretty massive impact on the future on the next Avengers. Yes. Film. So, um, so that's a mid mid credit scene of that. And then the other one is just a meme of just the, uh, the giant, the giant ant just playing the electric drum set as the, the emergency alert system echoes through Lang's house. Yeah. So, and then if you didn't think that was big enough to be like, Oh, this is what's going on during this big event. We're going to jump back to the nineties quick with captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Now I've seen it. Can't remember much from it. I'm gonna put it as a C. Not really memorable. Takes place in the '90s, on the grand scheme of the MCU, which we've been rating this off of. Hey, I'm interested in the Marvels that's coming. Yeah, out. the Marvels, less than a month away. By the definitely interested in that, but 
Yeah, there just wasn't as memorable. It's interesting to see the um, the Nick Fury relationship with. Uh, yeah, return of Phil Coulson into the oh, yeah, MCU true. as Phil well. Phil as well. De-aged um, ones. Also, just seeing Captain Marvel's um, abilities, her powers. Yep. You get. I would say the impact is you understand why Nick Fury's like big a trump card. We'll say his last minute SOS. Yeah. You kind of get why it's. Yeah. Why it's going um, to Captain Marvel. We get yeah. introduced to Talos, who will come back in Secret Invasion, and the whole scrawls like, this is important later on, but less about Captain Marvel's story, more about Nick Fury's story, on yes. why the scrolls are important. Overall, I'd say Captain Marvel has a bigger impact on the MCU as a whole, with the scrolls and the relationship with Nick Fury, and her, her powers... They kind of touch on it more in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a bit mm. for um, the alien race. Uh, Kree. Yeah. But it's definitely a little lore-heavy, I would say, mm-hmm. and opens up yeah. Pandora's box for stuff. Yeah, definitely some solid characters like Jude Law being in it was really cool. I think the payoff, um, we get a lot more payoff from Secret Invasion, yeah. from a lot what that, this sets yeah. up. I forget what the actor's name is, but it's the guy who's in the first Guardians. He's also in this movie, too, as one of like the supporting characters. is more on the villain side. But this also kind of gives you the breakdown of Shield a little bit too, so what it it this movie just kind of feels like filling in little itty bitty holes, while opening to, other ones, while opening other ones completely. Yeah. So yeah, moving on to S tier, the second last film of this phase. Yes. The S tier god of the MCU. We go on to Avengers, Endgame, Endgame. where you a very Broken. Oh, we should also, sorry, oh, Captain Marvel's yep. for postcard scene. Uh, we see a foreshadowing scene of Endgame where there's a bunch of people talking about the transmitter page when Captain Marvel appears and then demands where Nick Fury is. And then the other one is that inside Nick Fury's office, Goose jumps onto the desk and uh, regurgitates the Tesseract because Goose had the Tesseract. Yeah. But anyways, continue. Sorry. Uh, so where we see a very disheveled group of individuals. Brought individuals known as... Yes. And uh, yeah, at this point, the Avengers are still trying to do everything they can. Mm-hmm. The, the ones that are there. Um, trying to locate Thanos. That yep. seems to be the big goal at this point. Trying to reverse what was done. And they see him. They see that the gauntlet is destroyed. <sighs> yes, they end up finding him. They go there. Thor redeems him. himself. In his eyes, I guess you could yep. say he feels like he redeems himself. Using Thunder Strike, which was we didn't really talk about that, but that's the new hammer that was made. Yeah. And well, he, uh, yeah, he chops Thanos' head off because it's revealed that he destroyed the gauntlet because he yep. got what he wanted. Now he's chilling on a farm planet, basically. Yeah, he's farm bill. He's farm billing it up. And uh, yeah, so basically they go back, and it's safe to say that they just feel like failures. Yeah. And this is when the time skip happens, I believe. This is the time skip. We need to also keep in mind that there is. I believe this is when the huge dialogue happens between Tony and Steve. There's that post time skip where he goes like, I couldn't call. I tried to call. You weren't there. And it's like that whole huge dialogue of like, this is what you wanted. That's post time. Is that post time skip? Yeah. Cause, cause that's when cap goes to him and Tony has his kid. Oh, right. He has the young child. Yeah. So what is this? Three, four, five, five year time skip, five year time skip, big He's- time skip. We see Steve dealing. Um, he's like in groups now. Like he's helping people get over the fact that people are died, like aren't coming people back. People lost their loved ones. Yeah. 
and they're not coming back. So he's part of like a grieve uh, yeah, group. That's what I was trying to find. Yeah, the f- right wording for that. But yeah, um, we got Tony Stark who has a five-year-old daughter, four-year-old yep. daughter, five-year-old daughter. Four, I'd say four. So yeah. So where um, we get introduced to the I love you three thousand reference to the like, amount of minutes or hours. I think hours. it's hours. I think or min- it's hours. It's got to be time. Time of yeah. It wouldn't be hours. It'd be minutes. I think of the MCU movies. Yeah. At this point, um, we also get Ronan. We see that version of Hawkeye, which is dope sauce. Love that character. Love the design. Batman. <laughs> Batman, essentially, of the MCU. Yeah, we he's s- getting, taking out his <laughs> anger because exactly. he lost his whole family. Yeah. He did not get the good 50%. No. He, which, that is the opening scene, I think, of Endgame. Uh, what else is going on? We got Scott Lang, who's still stuck. He's still. We don't know where he is he at this is point. He's still stuck in miniature land. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, a rat shows up. Saves the day. Saves the day. Scott is in the van. Um, and then, boom, he goes to Avengers Tower, and he goes, hey, guys, it's me. You guys remember me? And then here we are, and they introduce a whole, like, time jump and everything like that, which is, like, love me some time travel. Um, I thought it was handled well decently. enough. Decently. Um, obviously, we see the battle, uh, which is a very tearful battle of Black Widow and Hawkeye which will be the one to sacrifice themselves to get the soul stone. That was very emotional. Up. Very very emotional. We get to see all of the, everyone getting their own tasks to do stuff, which was yeah. really cool to relive some moments Through the within first the MCU. MCU. The second Thor movie makes it more impactful. Yep. The Thor, the Thor movie, we get him that scene with his mom. Yep. When he knows, like he wants to save his mom so bad. And she is like, no, I have yeah. to. It reminds me of, um, the Star Wars, the world between worlds, where um, Ezra. Sorry if you don't know anything about Star yeah. Wars. But this is Star Wars Rebels, the TV yeah. show. Where Ezra is like, I can save Ahsoka. And Ahsoka's like, no, you have to leave me here because you can't change. And that's similar to the way Thor's mom. Thor's mom is so wise. She's just like, no, you have to leave me. I, I This has to happen. But not without Thor. Uh, Snagging an old friend. Yeah, he just casually calls upon Mjolnir. He's like, okay, bye. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. And he brings uh, Mjolnir with him back. We see them go back to uh, uh, the first Avengers movie. We have Cap in an elevator that just goes like, casually goes like, Hail Hydra. And they're like, oh, yeah, cool. We see Tony uh, interact with his dad. That that was an emotional scene. That is an emotional scene. Um, And because at this point, Tony is a father. Yeah. He knows exactly what it's like to. Yeah. We also believe, I think that's the first time we see in the MCU a live action Jarvis because Jarvis was yes, an actual person. That is true. So we see the first action, first live action appearance of that. Um, we see also the evolution of Joe Hulk. Sorry, Gray Hulk officially. Yep. Because of how he is and everything. Um, being smart, being not so smart, like the 50-50, the gray area between Hulk and Bruce. And he has a large um, impact on helping set up the whole time travel. Exactly. Um, to, uh, we see Chubby Thor. Because he's given up on everything. Given up, very depressed, playing yeah. Fortnite with Queen. Big Lebowski yeah. Thor. Yeah. Um, which is insane. We just see like a lot of characters that just are either broken or doing their own thing yeah. or trying to figure out life without their loved ones. I think obviously, like you said, the biggest example is Hawkeye, Hawkeye. and what he's doing. But everyone completes their mission in some way. Little bumps down the road. Yep. During the time travel process, but which then even Thanos ends up showing up from the past, which is a huge thing. And we see different versions of Nebula. Yep. And then past Gamora gets brought to the present, which is obviously setting up for future things. 
who doesn't know who the Guardians yeah. is. And then obviously we have the one and only line of after everything comes back, Falcon just being like on your left. And then everyone just shows up at once. And we have the most, the true, the epic duel, the true infinity war. Yes. If you will. Yes. And we get one of the most goosebump. I knew it was going to happen. Well, I think everyone knew. We knew it was going to happen. But like, as soon as like the scene right before, like the shot right before it, I was like, also because they're still getting beat up. Yeah. They're losing the fight. Yeah. And then at long last, the worth the wait. Yes. Definitely worth the wait. But seeing Captain America pick up Mjolnir. There's two moments that Cap has very pivotal moments. Avengers Assemble. Avengers Assemble, I think, because it's been joked and memed about. I think it's at the end of Age of He goes, all right, Avengers. Ass-, and then it just yep. cuts to black. And you're like, okay. Just like the Fantastic Four film. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, and then the picking up Mjolnir. The picking up Mjolnir is just. And the fight. Using it with oh. his shield and tackling it. Oh, it was. Beautiful. The choreography. It phenomenal and sh- like sharing it with thor at the same or just bouncing back and forth yeah. between the two of them goosebumps just and thinking thor about saying it. i knew it yeah he's like i freaking knew it he's like yeah. and cap's just smiling and you're like yeah you're like, and you yeah. see yeah the obviously the scene with all of the uh the sorcerers teleporting yeah. all all of the extended avengers i guess we could say yeah because we're getting character we see like Condens. Howard the Duck is in that scene. Howard the Duck. Like everyone is in that scene. Pepper Potts in an Iron Man yeah. suit. Yeah, rescue. We see the potential foreshadow of an A Force team, which is all an, an all female. All female. Um, Captain Marvel shows up. Valkyrie. Valkyrie. And then obviously we have the big death. We see Hulk b- break his arm essentially, trying to use the, the Tony Stark gauntlet. And then Tony Stark is the one says who... the beautiful words. Yeah. I am Iron Man. And oh, we also see Kill Mode. Spider-Man, yeah, Kill, Spider-Man Kill, Mode, Kill Mode, which is a fun nod. Which some people didn't like. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. But they were like weird aliens. Yeah. So it was fun. Yeah, we see the uh, I am Iron Man snaps. Um, and fixes fixes everything he can fix. Yeah. In a way. The theory is that the Hulk snap worked and brought everyone back. And then it was like Tony's snap. Tony's snap that like fixed everything kind of thing. And obviously yeah. he realized that he had to sacrifice himself in the process. Which then... Which leads. you could argue Tony Stark, one of the most selfish characters within... Yeah. Finishes it with a selfless act. Finishes it with a selfless act. And then we get to the final scene of the film, essentially. Which Not is, just that, though. I feel like oh, we okay. should say that it was very touching to see... Pretty much the face of the MCU leading up to this point also bring us out yeah. of this yeah. long-awaited film. The, the MCU began and finished at this part with Tony. With Robert Downey Jr. With Robert Downey Jr. What a great casting. Great casting. Honestly, there's no bad casting of the MCU. No, that's fair. You're right. Um, but yeah, we finished the, finished the film with the, the goodbye scene, basically. We see how everyone's kind of adjusted to the fact that Tony's gone. Steve uses the time travel device, goes back in time to return all the stones, Mjolnir, and then we see. And old he has man. a yeah, he has a little bit of a task on his yeah. own. He's like, no, 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 I'll I'll return everything yeah. to and where then it needs to be. We see old man Rogers, old man Steve Rogers, chilling on a park bench essentially with the shield, gives it to Bucky and goes, basically, this is yours. Passes now. the torch. Yeah, which then we'll talk about that in a future episode. Um, but then obviously the big thing is the funeral. 
everyone's there, including the kid from Iron Man. And from 3, Iron Man Three, who was first appearance since Iron Man Three, and then you have the fun behind the scenes part of this shot, which is just funny but terrible, because Tom Holland can't keep a secret, so he was told that this was going to be a wedding scene, I believe, that it was going to be the wedding scene between Tony and Pepper, and um, so he got really confused when he came up to set and Robert Downey Jr. wasn't there. And then, uh, yeah, so he wasn't told that there was a funeral. And he had to be lied to. He, had to, he got the Tom Holland script. Yeah, he got the Tom Holland script, which did not reveal that scene. But everyone is in that scene, essentially, which begs questions for later on why Rhodey was there. Obviously, Rhodey had to be, but then, you know, whatever. Um, very confusing when it comes to that stuff. But honestly, S-tier film, no post credit scene needed it, because it was the end. Yeah, it was the end, and I think the hype was worth it. Or the buildup, I Yes, definitely. Say. Both, both. Both all the hype, all the build up. What a fantastic film bringing together pretty all well the characters all these we've films, seen. All the characters. The last ten years. It's crazy enough. It's crazy to think that there was a big enough bad guy that could make it happen. A crazy enough producer to make it happen. A crazy enough or rich enough company, company producers. To, it's also the Russo brothers. Yeah, the Russo brothers did it. Which I think they three of their films are in the S tier. Yeah, they they don't so. they don't seem to miss. No. And yeah, overall was what when we went we so you would have been you would have been what twelve or eleven when the first film came out. Yeah, when Iron Man came out, I would have been eleven. And I would have been fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. So here we are. It was. The evolution is phenomenal of this series. I, I just—it's just amazing to think. As I can't think of anything more epic to live through. Yeah. As an adolescent boy. This has got to be what it feels like to watch the original Star Wars trilogy, like four, five, and six. Now like, we got to live the Star Wars, the good Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but all right, let's move on to the epilogue. The final film of Phase Three. Yeah. Kind of. The epilogue. Yeah, but also, like, you know, I. It would have been even more pleat for me if it mm -hmm. just ended right here. That's and then fair. I was like, okay, phase four, we're starting over its own thing, mm -hmm. new thing. But I mean, I'm I'm never gonna hate on a Spider Man film, so And we see a new another new Spider Man villain that we Mysterio. haven't seen before. Very cool. Mysterio. Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Jake Gyllenhaal, great actor cool for casting. it too. Fun. Um The question is B. where do we put it? B, maybe C. No, not C. I want to say high C. Yeah. Great film. Nick Fury returns. We see the drop of uh, the name of uh, Universe 616. This is the first whisper of multiverse, multiverse. and everything because he's Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio keeps saying, you know, blah, da, 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 da. We see his connection to Iron Man. And we also see like we how. We see his relationship to Iron Man get exploited. Yes. Like with, with Mysterio. But we also see the relationship that how much Peter relied on that mentor of Tony and how much that is taking a toll on him. Yeah, it's more of the responsibility of Tony Stark leaving him so much and Peter feeling like he doesn't deserve yeah. it. And this film is based on the fact that uh, like to Peter lost Tony. So out of like sadness, he just latches on to the next smart guy he sees who is a which is, master manipulator. Yeah. Which turns out to be the villain of the film. 
Yeah, and he comes off as such a good guy. And yeah, becomes baits, ba- baits him baits easily. And we see him travel, trusting. and we see Night Monkey, I believe the name is, of his alter ego and stuff. Um, we see him trying to avoid Nick Fury, too, for part of the film. We see Peter make his own suit. Yep. Kind of. Ish. With Stark technology, but yeah. he does make his own yeah. suit. Great scene, though, because it's the the direct connection to how it was in the first Iron Man. Like the mute, the same music choice, and you see him. Yep. And Happy makes Happy's in the film. Yep. Um, Happy makes the reference of like you're just like him, and it's such a good, powerful scene. Um, and then obviously, the fight at the end between him and the Mysterio, end fight is massive. Solid, good fight, but also the setup. The setup for the next film, which is even better, which leads into obviously the post credit scene. Mysterio don't mess around. He makes sure that Spider Man looks bad. And what does he do, Matt? What is what does Mysterio do to to he really up, make Spider the the third movie? Yeah, great is revealing to the world that Peter Parker is Spider Man, and the reason why this scene is even so much better for the old Spider Man fans is because J.K. Simmons is there <laughs> back as J. Jonah Jameson, which what just a, makes it so, so much great. better. He's so great as J. Jonah Jameson. He fits as well. it so well. Um, but yeah, he reveals to the world that Peter Parker is Spider-Man and that... And Peter's he, life changed for the, the dra- second time. Yeah. For a massive... And uh, yeah. Changes everything in the MCU when it comes to it Spidey. It's insulting to say it's like a great setup film for the third, but I really feel like the it is third a great, movie would not be as no. good if it weren't for this film. And the third film picks up seconds after the end of this film. This film walked so, so that the third one could run. Exactly. 100%. And I am okay with it being in C because... It wasn't the best, but there are good moments. Yeah, and the build, like what's built up, is pays the payoff off for later. Third, it exactly, pays off the third one. So exactly, hit um, us with those with those post credits. Yeah, post one of them is obviously the uh, J. Jonah Jameson saying that like leak footage. Quentin Beck suggests that Spider Man murdered him and uh, ordered the death of uh, many others, and then which reveals to the world that Peter Parker is Spider Man. Yep, which is like. Damn. Okay. Uh oh. And then that's when we see J.J. Jameson, aka J.K. Simmons. We're like, heck yeah, let's do this. And then the other one, which is like kind of important, but also not important, is that Nick Fury and Maria Hill are actually Talos and Soren in disguise. Like yes. the scrolls, and you're like, okay. Long time to get that paid off. Yeah. A couple years worth. But it does. I it does say relatively it does pay off. In Secret Invasion, they actually did an okay job. Yeah, it made sense. Because at this point, working all the way up to Secret Invasion, there felt like there was a lot of loose ends with the whole scrolls being definitely all over. But yeah, we get to mention the scrolls and then we forget about them. And we get do get a payoff eventually. Exactly. But there we have it. There is uh, phase three. Undoubtedly the best phase. 100% the best phase. Solid films. And uh, yeah, the next episode, we'll start discussing phase four, which is a lot of the TV shows, a lot of the more okay films. I will say. Before, before we talk about Phase 4, that Phase 4 ends up being, I believe, the beginning of superhero burnout. Yes. But also, the maybe even a little bit of a drop in quality as well. I would agree with that to an extent. We will we will get into it, though, exactly. in the next tier, tier list video. Part 3. For the MCU. Exactly. If you made it here... An thanks hour, for listening. An hour episode's a long one, but yeah. Thanks for listening. Once again, tier list will be in the description down below. Feel free to fill out your own 
post it in our Discord server. The link for that will be in the description as well. Heck yeah. And yeah. Thanks for thanks for joining us for this. Another fun tier list. Fun tier list. So until then, we until will then. Uh, see, you see you next, next week. week. Bye. Bye. TNMP, the Nerdy Misfit Podcast. Don't forget to join the island by dropping a follow. Thank you. Thank and you. see you next week.